Welcome to this series of Dundeal podcasts. In this collection of five episodes, um, I talk about my career in sport and offer some guidance, some tips, some networking possibilities, and some general ideas about how to build a career in sport. That starts with building relationships, visualizing your network and developing relationships, supercharging your knowledge base, getting into the process and protecting the process that you start, and then trying to see potential opportunities after doing all of those things, day after day, week after week, year after year. I hope you enjoy this series of five talks. Let me know any feedback, enjoy them. There's a question and answer session as well for you to listen to from when I did this as an original YouTube series. And uh, let me know your thoughts. Good evening, <clears throat> good afternoon, um, good morning, wherever you might be in the world. Um, this is day two of uh, my career in sport, um, uh, networking, knowledge building, um, just general, um, some tips, some practical tips on how to make it a little bit more in um, uh, the sports industry um, uh, in general. So, yeah, my name is Daniel G. Um, I'm sort of here all week. Um, from Monday to Friday to um, to just try and give you some ideas and some um, thoughts on uh, people that want to get into the sports industry, uh, people that um, are interested um, and even wider than sports, to be fair. A lot of these networking and relationship building points are hopefully um, quite valuable for um, everyone more, more generally. So again, this I'm a sports lawyer. Um, I work a lot in football, but actually, um, I, I realised actually when I was doing some preparation for this, hopefully, a lot of the stuff that we're going to talk through is equally applicable to um, someone that wants to do finance, media, marketing, accountancy, broadcasting, social media, whatever else that hopefully is it in sport. Um, I, I believe that um, hopefully I can provide um, some useful insight. So as always, uh, my idea is to speak for around 15 minutes um, and then have around 15 minutes worth of questions as well. Um, and uh, for anyone that missed yesterday, the idea of yesterday was uh, to try and set some of the foundations, but most importantly, to understand how you go about building relationships, starting the, the relationship cycle. And we'll talk about, I just recap at least just very briefly about that in a couple of minutes. Um, so yeah, we'll do 15 minutes of chat, 15 minutes of some Q and A. Um, thank you everyone for turning up yesterday and today and, and for actually for all the questions, there were tons of really, really good ones. Um, so I'll try and get to all of them, um, again today as always. Um, I already had quite a lot of people, um, asking me some questions afterwards on LinkedIn and across social media channels, which is great. So, you know, keep those questions coming as well. And I'll absolutely do my best to try and answer them as much, um, as much as I can. So the, the bit that I just wanted to um, focus on, and it's the, something that I'll probably, I think, say all week, is what, in my experience, is key um, to networking, building relationships, um, and ultimately building knowledge base more generally is um, all about putting in place small, little processes. Um, and putting in place those little processes on a whole means, ideally, that they turn into natural routines and i'm not necessarily saying making very large sacrifices for your day what i'm actually talking about is very small marginal changes to the way that you go about doing things and, and my view on making small changes small incremental changes 
that ultimately what you will see if you put in the hard work and effort and dedication and try and do the right things and the right behaviors in the right ways, you'll usually try and see pretty big results in the longer term. But again, the one thing that hopefully I stressed yesterday um, that I want to do again is the truth because in, in my mind, again, it's the biggest counterintuitive takeaway about people that want to get into um, the sports world and sports industry for lots of different reasons. It might be that um, you've been a brilliant sports player when you were younger. It might be that um, you love watching the game. It might be that you love consuming it. And it might be none of those or it might be all of those type of things as well. And the reason why I say it is for those that are very keen to get into the sports industry in the long term, if you want to get it into the long term, and if you want to develop your own career in the long term, don't worry about getting a job in sport in the short term. And the reason I say that is because those opportunities will arise in due course, not overnight, not in one month, maybe not in six months, maybe not a year or whatever else it might be. Those opportunities will arrive if you invest your time productively. And where I see and where I've tried to invest my time productively over the years, has tended to be doing two things. And obviously, there's a lot of detail to go into, and we've talked about a little bit about that um, yesterday. But I've done it and tried to do it by, number one, building relationships. It obviously goes without saying, building strong business relationships at scale, so not just four or five, but hundreds and hundreds, if possible. And also supercharging your knowledge base through reading, through um, uh, you re um, watching content, through listening to podcasts, through um, research that you're doing yourself from speaking to people, all of these different things and different mechanisms, if you can, to try and do those two things. Because in the end, what you effectively need to do in order to get into the sports world, if you're already there, it's great. But if you're looking to get into the sports world, is try to engage with people in sport in whichever particular field and category you're thinking about, but also to do it on the basis and foundation of half knowing or beginning to know what you're talking about on particular topics. So if you can do that consistently, consistently sorry, over a long period of time, then um, you're going to at least have a great start. And I'm going to show you some of those extra things to do today. So if I remember very briefly, what we talked about yesterday was when, like, for example, I am consuming lots of different content, reading articles, listening to podcasts, watching YouTube, going on to the TED Talks, for example, and um, doing two things at the same time. One, reviewing that content, try and let it sink in, take notes if necessary, try and build that knowledge base, those knowledge webs, as I, I try and call them sometimes. And then as a result of those building those knowledge webs, get in touch with the people that have written those pieces and say something interesting, say something that um, is short, sharp, um, creative, just to start building a brief digital conversation. And that's in one way how you'd start to think about building a network from one very, very straightforward principle. Now, the bit that I also said was as well, it was a great quote that I love, which is how soon is now. And for me, that's always something that I try and have in the back of my mind because ultimately I'm like, why can't I do it now? Why can't I incorporate something or some behavior that I can incorporate into my day, into the processes that I'm ultimately doing to make small changes and effectively start a new habit. So in my mind, at the back of my mind, I'm always like, can I do something? Can I make a new um, uh, idea? Can I do something a slightly different? 
And so what I want to then talk about today in terms of building relationships uh, is two things. Um, building was what we briefly discussed, and there's tons of different techniques. And what I should just say for anyone that wasn't here yesterday, if I was to recommend one particular book that will help you immensely on building relationships and knowledge, is, and knowledge generally is this book called How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. Um, it's not my favorite title of the book, but the words of wisdom inside it are, are timeless. There's amazing things about speaking to people, trying to delve into people's interests, listening. There's an amazing chapter on listening um, that uh, really blew my mind when I read it maybe four or five, six years ago. So um, that's just another um, something to recommend as, uh, as maybe people would have seen yesterday. But what I'm going to try and set out for the next six or seven minutes is to um, talk about what I have done specifically, I can only speak about my experiences in the end, of managing and growing um, relationships. And I'm just going to point you towards two particular aspects. The first is what I um, did um, six or seven years ago for the first time on some really good advice that I received, which was effectively to map out your network. Now, it, it sounds easy and actually very difficult at the same time is the truth. But ultimately, what I considered is, is that you're only and lots of people have said it to me also, you're only as strong as your invisible network. And what I mean by that is what you want to try and consider, and I did it just you know visually as well, I took a massive A3 sheet of paper six or seven years ago and started writing down all of the people that I knew in the industry. Now, um, that took quite a lot of time and was actually a very big investment because I did lots of different things, for example. So I looked through my work inbox to see who people I knew in sport. I looked through my Twitter connections to see who might be an interesting connection. I um, also did the same on LinkedIn, for example, and then I did the same on my work phone, for example. Um, and so what I then developed was a whole set of lists, more or less, of people inside and outside of sport that may be an interesting connection and network for me. And then what I did is I iterated it by actually then breaking it down into, let's just say, three or four basic categories. So, for example, football clubs, football agents and, and sports companies, maybe just even as straightforward as that. And then once you do that and you make a number of hubs, more or less, for each particular category, then you can start inputting those individuals and those um, clubs into visualize into your own network and what I call basically just an ecosystem. So if you just then browse into clubs, for example, then you might have um, contacts that you have from 30 clubs. And then within those clubs, you might have four people that you know within that club. So you start visualizing the, the category, the subcategory, the sub-subcategory. And if you do that at scale, and it's not an easy thing to do, it, it took me probably a month or so to do actually, is that you start realizing that you actually have quite a lot of connections. It might be that you don't have a lot of connections and you've got to start somewhere narrower, but that's fine too. But if you look intently into your own network, you'll be pleasantly surprised if you look closely and take your time to be able to do it, you'll actually realize that you've actually got more connections than you realized. The next step on once you have found those connections, you've identified those particular networks and relationships already, is then to um, uh, build on that network. And so we talked about some of those things that we build. It might be digitally speaking to people on email or otherwise. 
It might be going to conferences and networking. Um, it might be um, introductions that other people can make for you to particular people as well. You know, sometimes I will even just look on LinkedIn and um, uh, see people at particular clubs or particular agencies and just see who those people are connected into already. And then, for example, just ask if I can have an introduction to that person from someone that I already have a connection with on LinkedIn. So there's tons and tons of different techniques that you can more or less do. But ultimately, what I found really handy was to have this big document that was the start of my visualizing of my visualization of my own network and relationship ecosystem because then the other cool thing that you can start to do um, is find interlinkages it, it takes a while to do but one of the other real great benefits of setting out your own network your own ecosystem i find is you find value adds for people so it might well be that you then realize oh, that person at that club knows that person here that agent knows this person that player has a relationship with that agent that sports company has sponsored that player that works with this and then even better what can sometimes happen is that the contacts and connections that you have you can proactively think about how you can make introductions if they're the right introductions to make to other people within your ecosystem which provides value so they are the types of things that's really important to do. And I, I saw um, Aria mentioned a point on, on the live chat. My view on a lot of stuff is you've got to put yourself in the position to um, best exploit um, in a positive way the position you're in. So, you know, one of my big, big sayings is luck is where preparation meets opportunity. And in this sense, what, what I realized in some of the stuff I'm doing here is ideally what I'm trying to do is maximize my opportunities to be able to find um, situations that um, I can um, network with people, speak to people, tell people what I'm doing, but as importantly, listen um, and understand what other people are doing in the sports and wider space. And you never know what, um, what opportunities that may lead to, but what you've got to do is you can't just leave it to luck in terms of, oh, I'll just find that networking opportunity sometimes. It's so important to be proactive, and hopefully those are a few techniques to start with. Um, I, I want to then just talk you briefly about then how to deal with how, how my experience sometimes about um, dealing with particular situations um, and trying to develop particular relationships. So once, for example, you've 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 um, effectively scaled out your ecosystem, you've got you know, clubs and you've got 50 people at particular clubs and you've got a great relationship with loads of agents, we're saying in my sense, um, and then you've got um, sports tech companies or social media companies or brands or whatever else it might be, and you've got lots of people in those types of places. The most important thing then to do, um, as we'll discuss, is it's absolutely vital to be able to maintain those relationships. And usually, in my experience, there's loads of different ways to maintain those relationships, but you've got to maintain them. It doesn't mean you have to be everybody's best friend, far from it. But what you actually need to be able to do is, um, is check in with them. Now, it doesn't need to be checking in with them every week. Um, it might be for particular clients that you need to when you've developed strong relationships and you've got lots of work going on with them, for example. But if you're just starting to build your network, a really important technique is to try and understand the person in a little bit more detail and usually to understand somebody in a lot more detail you've got to listen to what they are saying and listen pretty intently so again another big chapter in in this book is to do with listening really um and that's it, it involves two things really because 
a lot of the time, um, there, there are some clients that I have that don't want to talk about their personal lives and only our business and are focused on the, those type of uh, business elements, the professional relationship. And there's loads of my clients as well that are very personable and want to talk about stuff outside of work, their children, um, their parents, where they've gone on holiday, schools, um, hobbies, habits, whatever else it might be. Usually most people are in that sort of middle category of um, no, neither side of the extreme. But what you've got to be able to effectively do, which um, is really important trait, is to really listen so the other person believes you're interested in what they are telling you. Because what that enables you to get is loads of really interesting intel about what they're doing, how they're doing it, the people that they know, uh, what the business is up to, where their needs might be over a particular period of time, how they're doing it in particular ways. And it's, it's easy to say you're a good listener, but ultimately the, the, the art of listening is sometimes the art of recall as well. And what I mean by recall is you've got to be able to remember what was being said in that meeting or said in that conversation or that coffee or that phone call or whatever else it might be. And sometimes what I, or not sometimes, what I try to do for every meeting that I will have is I'll try and write down a small recap of what was discussed in that meeting. And that's absolutely vital because when you then have that next conversation, when you have that next engagement, it becomes imperative that person knows that you understood, listened, and could remember what they were telling you. So what you were saying was important. Now, there are loads of other little small techniques which you've developed, I've developed over time based on reading lots of different things and seeing other people in action, which is just remembering the name of someone's wife or husband or children or where they went on holiday or the school they've gone to or how old their kids were. All of those little things dropped in really add a, an important personal touch. Um, and, and the flip side of that also is, is that if you innately start knowing and writing down particular things about what's happened in meetings, when, for example, you read something of interest or you speak to someone that might be of interest to them or to you, then you can start thinking about other people and their uh, positions rather than you and what you need. Because ultimately, a lot of the stuff that I will try and do day to day is thinking about how I can help others develop their networks and how I can bring value to what our relationship is for them. Um, and so even things like I read, read an article and it might be I chatted to someone about sports tech three weeks ago. I read the article and actually that would be really interesting to email to that person. And it's nothing more than this will be of interest and value. Hope it's of interest and value. So um, they are some of the bits here. And, and ultimately, what you then can do, if we talked about the ecosystem point, where you're seeing, you're seeing your network, you're visualizing your network, you're trying to grow it, and then you're trying to build those relationships. What you've then got to do, and I don't want um, to scare anybody, but ultimately what you've got to try and do is then do that at scale. You've got to do it at scale. It's not just with one person, it's not with five people, it's not with 10, it's not with 100. It's possibly a, um, a large number of people that you're interacting with and you're trying to effectively... Um, um, yeah, effectively engage with at the same time or at different times. And that's why like CRM software, for example, client uh, management software, which enables you to have reminders about not speaking to people for a certain amount of time, reminders about what you talked about and put notes and ideas in to follow different types of um, uh, processes as well becomes absolutely vital because 
you, there's no way at scale at two or three hundred contacts and beyond and relationships that you have with people that you can just remember that you haven't spoken to someone or you haven't emailed them or you haven't whatsapp them for a particular period of time so the next bit generally is just thinking on the whole about developing five relationships developing 10 developing 20 but doing that in a very very process driven way and it's the process that will hold you through it's the process that will allow you to develop rather than just having a scattergun approach to that and then the last thing is before we get into some questions and hopefully there'll be a few um is just don't don't necessarily be in a hurry think long term and that's the important thing there you know everybody is looking ultimately to build relationships with people which are useful to them and hopefully then will be useful to others so don't think it is, don't think of it as a one-way street it has to be based on reciprocity basically um, and that's the difficult element that a lot of people don't necessarily consider as i mentioned yesterday always think about what you can do for someone else rather than what the other, that other someone else can do for you and that actually is a very difficult as i mentioned yesterday it's a very difficult concept to get your head around to, to thinking about but then actually preparing for for when you're actually trying to get in touch with somebody um because ultimately when you're getting in touch with someone it's usually because you want something from them but you've got to flip and pivot that conversation you've got to turn it into the exact reverse what can i after I've thought long and hard about what you do and what you require and how to personalize that message and how to personalize that conversation, what can I do for you? Um, and again, it's all of those type of things which can always be um, tricky, but that is always creative, always proactive, always really out of the box, blue sky thinking ideas, which I think always, um, you know, I'm always surprised when I read um, great emails that come from people that you can see they've given real time and thought and effort to actually um, uh, getting in touch with you rather than a bit of a bland email, dear sir, please can I have work experience? Because ultimately, you know, that's pretty generic and you're probably not going to get too far with those type of um, messages. So sorry for rambling on a bit too much as usual, um, but let's definitely start getting through um, some questions. And it's great when there's actually questions because people are actually interacting. So thank you for all of the questions that are coming. It's great that there's loads of people coming from all over the place. We've got Montenegro, Plymouth, uh, Colombia, Honduras, Basel. Amazing. Um, fantastic. Thanks, everyone, for coming and joining. So um, question from Mark. How did you build the confidence to talk to people and make those connections? As someone who struggles with imposter syndrome, it's very intimidating trying to take the first step. Yeah, we're, we're all, and I'm still constantly in that um, frame of mind sometimes where, you know, I, I, my own view is, is that you've got to be able to do one of two things. One is just develop, even if it's a very straightforward mechanism, to be able to go into a room feel confident enough to be able to join in a conversation or go to a congruel area where maybe people are having teas or coffees and then just saying how are you enjoying this or what's up my name's mark and daniel or whatever else it might be and then asking very open-ended questions about stuff so you're in listening mode so you're not feeling too stressed about talking and saying too much but the second part of that also in the same time is if you're in that type of environment, it's probably because you hopefully know about a particular sport, a particular tech, a 
particular topic, a particular subject that is the basis for that type of conference or that conversation. So my view as well, it's a part of the preparation piece. If in the week or two beforehand, you know that there's particular topics that are going to be discussed, just read around those topic areas to be able to then say something interesting to that person about, did you read that Economist article? Did you see that Financial Times piece? Did you see that Twitter feed where this player did that? Just have four or five talking points that you can just start those conversations with. And it's amazing. Everyone's in the same boat. Everybody's human. Everybody's got the same insecurities. Um, it's just people finding the processes um, and the confidence to be able to talk about things. Ultimately, you know, sport, we're really lucky if we're getting involved in the sporting world. There's usually quite a lot of um, uh, interesting topics out there, especially at the moment. Um, in a go. Um, hi from Spain. Whilst finishing a law degree, is there any course or any type of information you would recommend in order to gain knowledge or have a better CV? Tons of stuff. Um, and again, what you need to do is reverse the conversation. What you need to effectively do is think about what type of knowledge you think you need. Or even better, read lots and find out particular areas that you're more interested in. We're living in a world at the moment where content is almost infinite and most of it is pretty much free. Um, and there are, even if there are subscription sites, there are sites that are certainly worthwhile paying a little bit of money for. So, um, you know, I'm a massive fan um, on, for law degree related matters um, on um, a website called lawinsports.com. And it's an unbelievable resource full of amazing, amazing articles on football, on sport more generally. And you can just garner maybe what type of um, subject matter you're interested in. Um, and, and on the CV front, it's like anything. I think you've just got to put yourself out, out there. Um, you've got to offer yourself, be creative, ask particular things of people. Um, you don't necessarily need to just go, right, can I ask for work experience or can I do that? It's like, what can I as the person that has more time doing a course and being a student, offer someone as a lawyer who has, is more time poor, doesn't have as much time, what can I offer them that would be of value to them? And that's where you've got to start considering flipping the argument. Don't ask for favours. You provide favours to others. And that's ultimately the, the pivot that you probably need to start considering. And it's not an easy thing to think about. And it takes a lot of time and consideration. But once you do, once you start being able to provide value to others, rather than asking for value from them to you, it becomes a very different conversation. Um, Mazar, uh, how much do you rate the, the skill of listening and trying to build a vision in a relationship? Um, it's probably the most important skill that um, I've tried to start developing over the last five or six years. And it, and it starts from preparing for a meeting. If you've had um, conversations with a person before, it's understanding what those previous conversations were. It's dropping that into the conversation to understand that you're, you can demonstrate and signal to the other person that you were listening intently about what was actually being discussed. It's understanding what their needs are of you. And it's, again, it's that pivoting. It's not, I remember for years, I would always be speaking to contacts and clients saying, oh, these are the things that I can do as a lawyer. These are the things that I can do as an accountant. These are the things that I can do as a social media manager. These are the things that I can do, um, whatever else it might be. What you've actually got to consider, and it takes a long time to do to quiet in your brain, is to ask the right questions to enable the other person to um, speak about whatever they want to speak about. And once you understand their needs, 
you can definitely you you find it i find it much easier it's still difficult but much easier to attune your own requirements to what they potentially need and it might be from making introductions it might be from saying oh we talked about this point last time how that's been going on and it's amazing how you're able to provide knowledge mixed with retention of what's previously been said mixed with what stuff can i do for you based on your needs so listening is absolutely um, integral um, question from bart um, when you constantly communicate with a number of people how do you stay responsive and focus on getting your job done at the same time yeah it's uh, very difficult is the truth but again it's like anything I, I put aside a part of my day usually afternoons I usually spend my mornings and early afternoons when my brain is um, um, a bit more receptive um, doing my drafting and particular technical parts of my job and then I'll sometimes spend some of the parts of the afternoon on telephone calls thinking about who I haven't spoken to for a while, using my ecosystem to understand who's connecting with who, and just give a little bit of time to um, continuing to maintain um, uh, those relationships. But again, yeah, it's, it's a multi, it's, it's, it's tough multitasking is the truth. But um, as you get, you know, as I get a bit more senior in the industry, it's just managing that knowing that you've got to do your job You've got to build those relationships. You've got to bring in work. You've got to constantly be evolving. You've got to constantly be up to date with all the stuff that's going on. Um, and that, that takes a bit of effort, but it, it can be done if you put the right processes um, in place. Um, let's have a look for some more questions. Uh, Gareth, hi, Daniel. Um, how well would you get to someone? Uh, how well would you get to know someone, I think, before suggesting catching up over coffee? Um, you know, it, uh, there, there are some times where I'll have an initial email with somebody and they'll just say, can we meet up for coffee? Because it'd be great to chat about this particular thing. Again, it's, I think, I think what you've got to do is you've got to read the person and read the personality. Um, and sometimes it can be as straightforward as, you know, having a quick call and saying, it'd be great when next time I'm in London or next time when I'm near your office or next time we're close to each other, maybe we can just grab a quick 10 minutes or 15 minutes and say hello. But again, what you actually need to consider as well is the reason why you're doing it. You've got to prepare to understand what the needs of the other person are and what the needs of you are going to be and who is in the strength and the power part of the relationship. Are you going to be asking for a favor? Are they more interested in particular things that you can possibly bring to them? You know, um, ultimately, it's like anything, you've got to prepare to understand why you're meeting them in the first place. And then you can be pretty upfront, really, which is, is great. You know, if, if we were meeting, for example, at some point, why we were getting in touch with particular things we could help each other with, um, and then developing relationships from there. So, you know, it's, it's, it, there's no one size fits all. It's very, very person specific, but it's also, there's an innate responsibility on you to effectively work out why you want to develop that relationship. And once you know the why, it's very easy to work out what you want to do with it. That's hopefully the right way of saying it. Uh, Sebastian, sorry, I missed um, one from you. Um, how do you identify that an agent doesn't want to take advantage of you and wants to build a natural relationship with you? Um, I don't, so I'm just checking, maybe Sebastian, you're a footballer. Um, if you are, yeah, it's, it's, it's very hard to find um, uh, the right agent for you, but my advice might be, and we can take it offline, is you've got to try and find a selection of agents that, um, that connect with you, that you feel comfortable with, that you feel are knowledgeable, that have a great network, 
um, that you feel that you can you can get on well with. Um, but it's like anything; some players will just want your the agent to do the deal and not to bother them for two years. Others need day to day contact with their agent because they have lots of different things they need to help with. Um, Peter, um, what other websites apart from Law and Sport would you recommend for daily articles on law and football? Um, I would go to Legal Five Hundred. Um, look at the top sports law um, um, firms in the country um, and then effectively go to their websites and almost all of them will publish um, sports law um, articles. There's loads of stuff we do at Sheridan's. All the top sports law practices in the UK and around the world do as well. So uh, usually that's the, the way I would suggest. Um, Gordon, how do you maintain relationships with people that are not really your friends but you want to stay in contact with them and show a positive attitude in order to have freedom of contact when needed. Yeah, look, my view is, is that the, for the vast majority of people, you don't need to be their best friends or even pro proper friends that you meet up with and see each other every now and then. What you just need to have is a good enough relationship with them, um, a professional relationship with them so that when they need something or that you need something or that you need to have a catch up, that you feel comfortable enough and they feel comfortable enough with you that they can pick up the phone to you or send an email. So it's just simply warm relationships, but there's no point in picking up the phone to someone or trying to email them if you haven't spoken to them in one or two years. So you've got to maintain that relationship however it is, if it's inviting them to events, if it's sending them newsletters, if it's sending them pieces that might be of interest to them, and it's doing that time and time again without obviously bugging them every week so that when the right time comes and this particular opportunity for whatever else it might be, that you both have a solid enough relationship that you can then, you know, move on and continue it forward. Um, Arya, um, do you always need a uni degree to break into the sports industry? Um, no, is the simple answer. You know, there's lots of different ways to be able to go um, into sports or into lots of other um, sectors full stop. So, um, you know, I know tons of um, some of the best agents that didn't necessarily go to university. I know loads of people in lots of different sectors that are top of their game and, uh, and didn't go to university at all. So, but it might be for particular sectors if you're, you know, law or accountancy or lots of others where, you know, um, university is a pretty important stepping stone. Um, right to win sports. How do you deal with relationships? Who knows? your worth to them how do you deal with relationships who knows your worth to them but always tries to play down your importance to them we experience such with most european agents coming to pick players from africa i think that's quite a specific one so maybe we can take that um offline and um, chat about that um, in a bit more detail um jh27 Dan, do you think it's feasible to create your own agency with your network? I have contacts in the world's biggest academies in the world, so once completing my degree, they're ready to be signed. Of course, why not? Why not, why not? Um, you know, you've got to start somewhere, so what's the reason not to? Ultimately, you've got to then develop really good relationships with, with lots of clubs, um, lots of associations, lots of people in the particular networks that you need to be able to do. So I, ultimately, you know, you've got to consider where your assets are. If you've got great relationships with the biggest academies, then you're off to a great start. Uh, Robert, um, do you believe relocation is a must every few couple of months in order to in order for a better startup sorry do you believe relocation is a must every few couple of months in order for a better startup 
I'm sorry, I don't understand the question, Robert. <laughs> um, but yeah, maybe we can catch that up on another time. Um, Idit, um, how to start building a network, especially during these challenging days of people are highly applying social or physical distancing. Um, so in, I would suggest firstly have a look at yesterday's um, uh, recording where we talked quite a lot about how to build relationships in the first place. Um, it can be, you know, digitally, it can be through Zoom. There's loads in terms of ways through email or otherwise. So I'd suggest having a look at yesterday's talk. Um, Daniel, how can one network in an academy for placement? Um, sorry, I don't really know that one. How can one network in an academy for placement? Uh, sorry, not sure I understand the question. Um, try, uh, in case you're working in... Uh, so what would be a good way, let's read it, in case you're working, in case that you have to be opposite someone that you've developed a good relationship, what would be a way to manage that relationship during and after the end of the case? Ah, okay. Yeah, I mean, if you're talking about being on the other side of a potential uh, deal or conflict with and someone that um, I've got a good working relationship with, that happens all the time. But there's, you know, you've got to put aside your personal relationships and be professional and you know, follow all the usual professional um, regulations to make sure that you're doing your best um, ultimately for, for your clients. Um, so uh, we are almost there, but let's let's keep going. A couple more courts. Um, how are you finding staying in touch with contacts during the pandemic? Yeah, it's a really good one, actually. Um, I think ultimately, although obviously we're not doing as many meetings, um, you know, just tech in terms of Zoom or um, Microsoft Teams or other ways of just being able to have face-to-face -face contact, even if it's you know virtually, is still pretty important. And trying to do that um, pretty regularly. So um, it's just again, you probably have a bit more time to plan to have a think about who you need to speak to and and do. But I think ultimately, you know, when things hopefully come back to a little bit of normality, we can get better with. Um, going for coffees and meeting, but in the meantime, you know, tech is such at the moment that it's so easy to be able to engage with people. So yeah, I'd really, um, yeah, I'd really recommend everything Zoom related. Um, Patrick, uh, any advice on becoming a better communicator online versus offline? <laughs> Gosh, that's a difficult one. Um, it depends what you mean online. I mean, if it's video, um, then ultimately my view is is that you should be communicating in pretty much the same way if possible. Obviously, it's less personable, um, but ultimately it's still you know e relatively easy to be able to engage with people and to build relationships and develop those relationships just from you know almost you know what we're doing now on YouTube. But there's no reason why you can't do that um, you know online too. Um, Beverly, how does one become a CAS arbitrator? I think that's slightly out of the, the zone of the, the conversation today. But um, yeah, if you go to the CAS website, there's usually qualifying criteria uh, and lists that you can particularly apply to it, um, at certain times. Gosh, lots of questions, which is great. We're almost there. Um, um, Ndozi, I'm here from Zimbabwe. Great. What would you suggest are the best ways to develop contacts and networks for a young cricketer ideally in the UK, and improve the game where resources are limited in Zimbabwe? It's a great question. I've got no idea is the answer. Um, what I would suggest is um, the easiest way potentially would be, for example, go on LinkedIn, um, see all the people um, filter by cricket, look at the particular county cricket um, uh, teams, maybe look for development particular teams in certain areas, 
message people, ask the question, do that at scale, find some answers. That's usually um, one possible way to do it, out of thoughts. So we're at 38 minutes. Thanks everybody for joining again. It's been it's been great. Thank you so much for all the questions. It's been been fantastic. Um, we've been trying to get through most of them quickly, but um, I really appreciate everybody joining. Um, what I would just recommend in terms of a book for the day um, is this one. So it's by um, uh, a guy called Dave Trot, and it's called Creative Blindness uh, and How to Cure It. So Dave is an advertising guru. He's absolutely fantastic. He writes really short stories um, with really interesting morals, um, just tons of really creative stuff about um, what he's seeing throughout the industry. So, um, yep, there's my recommendations for the day, probably a couple. <laughs> um, but um, if you can, uh, tell other people about the course. Hopefully you can uh, get some interesting insight out of it for this week and look forward to seeing everybody tomorrow. Take care. Thanks. Bye. Thanks for listening. You can follow me on Twitter, TikTok and Instagram at Football Law. Read my blogs and listen to my previous podcasts via my website, danielg.com forward slash blogs. Please do subscribe to the Dundee Football Podcast. Like, share and tag me. If you like the content, if not my voice, you'll probably also like my book, Done Deal, an insider's guide to football contracts, multi-million pound transfers, and Premier League big business. A bit of a mouthful. It's available to buy in hard copy, digitally, and via Audible. All links are in the podcast show notes. Lastly, the podcast is powered by 13, which is a fashion brand I've started. All proceeds go towards cancer charity research, and particularly the stellar work done by John Krell, who has helped my mum through some difficult times over the last few years. You can take a look at the merch and hopefully buy a t-shirt, hoodie, cap, or all three. Please do spread the word and go to 13shop.co.uk. That's 13shop.co.uk. Thanks for listening.